0: Non rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, being delusional. are yeah, b- delusional. Yeah. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> 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 she hung up on me. <laughs> yeah. oh! that's a joke pastor when we
1: have the real message of truth we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not take an
0: amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart
1: so you will never be the same again and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and that of course is romans eight twenty eight h 8 which precedes what dusty Eight twenty seven. the golden chain of redemption that's right but we're not going to get into that today today i want to focus on how god's sovereignty uh orchestrates all things to to the good of those we're called According to His Purpose, right? It does. And um, we, if you're just joining us, this is actually the second show we will talk about Tuesday Now Records. I'm very excited for today. The first show with, with our friend Darren Doan was really, really awesome and was a lot of fun and we got a lot of positive feedback from that. But before we get started, to my left is my good friend Dusty Marshall Mathers. Hello there. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Hip-hop extraordinaire, right? Uh, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs>
2: Well, this is your second time on the show, right? It is, yep. Hopefully it's better than the first.
1: No, the first one was awesome. That was fun. Yeah, so I'm excited because we're talking about the music industry a little bit today, and Dusty being a hip-hop artist is very familiar with that. He's familiar with Tooth & Nail Records and a lot of the names might be mentioned. Um, But before we get into the show, I want to remind everybody, if you have not yet signed up, please come to ReformCon. It's at the end of October 24th to the 26th. Very excited for that. Yes. Uh, we have an awesome lineup of speakers. You'll be there.
2: I will be there. I'm, I'm not sure. About I don't. That.
1: You're performing at I, to some level, correct? I am performing. I think we're still working out the details on that. Um. So, anyways, uh, we have a great lineup. So, uh, it'll be, of course, Pastor Jeff. Hooper, which, by the way, I should mention, that Pastor Jeff is on his sabbatical right now, which is why he's not here. And the reason Dusty is in Joycey is because she is about to have a baby at any moment. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm the I'm the fill in I'm the surrogate uh, MC. <laughs> yes, exactly. So pray for her any moment. I just saw her a minute ago. She popped in here, and I was like, "Go home, have that kid." Um, so yes, so that's why they are not here. But ReformCon Pastor Jeff will be there. Pastor Dr. James White, uh, John Sampson, Andrew Sandlin, Toby Sumter, Cross Politic will be there. sheologian theologian will be there. Uh, the Dr. White will have a, a dividing line mashup show. Uh, Joe Boot will be there, and then of course the last day is the end abortion now day. So I will be speaking. Zachary Conover, Rusty Thomas, and if you haven't heard, we are premiering. Babies are murdered here too. Yeah, babies wait. are still murdered here. Yes. So oh, we'll wait. be premiering it there. And I am very excited to announce a little special special incentive, oh. which we have not yet announced. We will be at ReformCon having a raffle at the at the conference. Um, to win a trip with us out to Hawaii. Now I know a, min- a mission trip out to Hawaii with us.
2: I know I'm sharing there, but can I still win that?
1: Yes, you just have to get a raffle ticket. I will. Sweet. I'm on. So so check that out. Anyways, reformcon.org. Go there, uh, get your tickets, and we hope to see you there. Hope that you can come out here and, and join us. Okay. Now that brings me to our special guest today who's, um, been a friend of mine for quite some time, actually on Facebook. Anyways, we've never met one day we will. Um, but David Loman, what's up brother?
3: How you doing guys?
1: Good, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you on today. I think you were on like really early,
3: weren't you? Yeah. Back in the radio days, yeah. right before you guys left radio. Um, I was also, uh, I was on, I think we were talking, uh, eschatology, my, uh, my, uh, blog that I did. And then, uh, was on another time and we talked, uh, Greg Bonson.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, so the reason, and I'll, I'll have David explain more of this here in a minute, but the, the main reason we're having, uh, David on today is if you listen to the first show where we talked about and Nail, the name, uh, David Bonson came up quite a bit. Yep. Um, and we also mentioned David Loman on that show, a brief mention. Um, and so, uh, David is, um, very good friends with, with David Monson, and was, uh, with tooth and nail records very early on. Um, and so, yeah, man, I'm going to let you go. You, you just tell us the history, your, yeah. your involvement, and we'll go from there.
3: It's interesting that you brought up the providence of God in this discussion. Cause it's uh, it's actually a uh, pretty cool. And, and one thing real quick, if you ever do a like theology or a uh, reform theology and Christian rock music, um, feel free to bring me out, uh, to... <laughs> Uh, to reform con as uh, a fun topic, but oh I think yeah, that'd that the, be awesome. You were talking about this uh, idea of providence, and, and it, it's interesting. And this is a little bit of a history, and I'll try and make it quick. But but before tooth and nail, there was Frontline Records, mm. and Frontline um, was uh, the, the came out of uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, sort of. There was a pastor. They used to do these Saturday night concerts all throughout the '70s with the early Jesus music bands, and the pastor who would speak was a guy named Jimmy Kempner. And then he left Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and he uh, started doing these Christian music nights at Knott's Berry Farm called Frontline Nights, huh. and started noticing that like these bands like the Alter Boys and the Lifesavers and Undercover and Krumbacher were getting bigger crowds than some of the big bands like, at that time, Petra and Servant. Yeah. So he decides to start a record company called Frontline Records. And Frontline, um, we had Bloodgood, P.I.D., you know, you know, just we were the edgy record company at the time. Uh, and I was working at a, a monstrous uh, Christian bookstore called Maranatha Village, which, oddly enough, was actually housed in the original church that Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa met in. And um, Frontline became its own distribution company. And we had John Gibson and Shout and and uh, tons of hard bands like Mortification and vengeance, and we were kind of the cutting edge, we were the, the loud one, yeah. we had a tough time getting the stuff into stores. Well, it kind of folded um, under its own weight after about three years, and my sales manager, Bill Conine, called a meeting for all the sales reps and said, we wanna start a distribution company, we're gonna to continue to distribute Frontline, and we're gonna pick up a whole bunch of other labels, and uh, we need to we need to hire a bunch of, of Phone salespeople to help you guys out. Two of those people that were hired uh, over the next year or so were David Bonson and Brandon Ebel. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about Providence, yeah, uh, Frontline's existence really led to David Bonson and and Brandon Ebel meeting, yeah, and and becoming friends, and um, where Brandon then uh, after a couple years and maybe even a little less than that, I think it was like late '94, early '94. He started uh, Tooth and uh, he started Tooth and Nail, and we're at a sales conference. So imagine you have the sales conference. We know Brandon as this super young, really loud, upbeat, excitable kid. Comes in and he's not like with the sales force. <laughs> and Bill Conine introduces him as the newest label, called Tooth and Nail, and he was going to be uh, bringing us the first handful of releases for us to go to go out and sell. Hmm. And David Bonson was my phone rep. Uh, for some time and uh, he and I used to just hang out together at all the sales conferences to get together and I was a good um, kind of Southern Baptist Arminian uh, dispensationalist and then I met David Bonson <laughs> and <laughs> and he used to just uh, just destroy me theologically wow. and pass me his dad's stuff and and I became like a big fan of Greg Bonson and you know visit him at church, got oh. to know him, had some exciting stuff. Um, and it, 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 over time, the, uh, my theology changed and, and, and such and became very reformed, but I came in through eschatology, not through, uh, yeah. through, uh, soteriology. So I came in through this idea of eschatology, uh, from a reform perspective and started looking for more things. And I started noticing that some of these bands, supertones, mm-hmm. plank eye, uh, some of the early bands, um, Stavesacre and even the Crucified uh, were were very theologically conservative and was starting to show up um, in their music and reform. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just be it kind of just went from there. And a lot of that, uh, I we obviously you can't avoid. Uh, David Bonson had had a lot to do with that. Sure. But but at that very first sales conference, he brings us this music that we thought we were pretty edgy. I mean, we had some grindcore and death metal bands and stuff, but we nice. had no. Real hardcore music, and I think the first thing they played for us was this band called Focused mm. um, in '94. Like back in like it might have been the end of '93 when they first played it for us, and yeah. it came out in in early '94, and it was hard and dark and scary.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> and um, it was a whole new world, and we had to, as a bunch of salespeople, walk out into Christian bookstores and try to <sighs> convince these people that. Yeah. What they're listening to was uh, good for the Christian young people coming into their store. Yeah, <laughs> you were the one putting and up. Oh, you're the one ahead.
1: putting up the signs that said, "If you like
3: so and so." Yeah, you know, admittedly, we were part of that, but a lot of that had to do with you know what we we had no way to really market the product, and we were doing that years before Tooth and Nail came along. Yeah, I mean those those comparison charts. Um, that was I remember. Seen those back in '80 80 and '81 when there was pretty wow. much only pretty much Petra and Resurrection band <laughs> were the only things that you could have on a list like yeah. that, yeah. Because uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of music at that point. And then as the '80s went on, significantly more music um, fell into it. And then when you know Tooth and Nail hit, along with a lot of the other bands and the other labels, we were, there was a label called Screaming Giant. And I know you're probably yep. familiar with oh, yeah. Five Minute Walk that gave yep. us um, uh, Five Iron Frenzy.
1: Yep. I had um I had um 710 Split I yeah. did a show at my in my garage they came and played yeah. yeah that
3: was all part of that whole garage scene that these yeah. guys literally would play in people's backyards
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah so I, before we get any further I just want to say like um this is it's funny just I, I, if you didn't miss the first show I was explaining how I basically was a tooth and nail kid I th- I started getting into this music about 96 I think which was two or three years after they started and um, you know, I I think MXPX and like Supertones were like who I was first introduced to, and I grew up very, um, very legalistic, um, amazing Christian family, but legalistic, and and I remember, I remember like uh, um, and this might be before even your your BC days, so you may not even know what I'm talking about, but for like, sure. but like like Twila Paris and Michael W Smith and like Jars of Cliff, like it was like a big yep. deal for me to get to go to those shows, you know. And uh so anyways I start getting into them and but David I, I, did you have, did you have distribution in in like the Midwest at all? I think we had those.
3: Yeah so 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 Frontline a uh, Frontline originally was with a really big company called the Benson Company. And the okay. Benson Company was most known for uh Carmen yeah. and Sandy Patty. Yeah. Those were the two biggest artists on the Benson Company and they also had Degarmo and Key which was a legit good rock band. Um but uh they were pretty much like uh, uh, Twyla Paris, the warrior is a child. That was a Benson title. So all of a sudden frontline comes on to that. After a couple of years, they decide to go out on their own. And we had distribution, um, pretty much everywhere, but it wasn't easy. It was, it was pretty hard to walk into. Uh, if you shopped at a Christian bookstore in the late eighties, all through the middle nineties, um, you met the owners of those stores cause for the most part they were, you know, mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine walking into talking to mom and pop and saying, I've got this new band called 90 Pound Wuss. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a Diamante or, or yeah. online uh, salesperson had to, de- had yeah. to deal with uh, when we walked into a store. Yeah. I mean, it was hard enough when you had something that was just like Starfire was one of the first two or three albums that came out, Starfire 59, silver. Yeah. And the album cover was just silver. Right. There was no... Starflyer on it. There was no imaging. It was just a blank silver. And they followed that up with the album Gold, which was just blank gold. (laughs) And then you had to try to explain to the 58-year-old semi-grandmother that worked at the store what shoegazer music is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So, so, suffice it to say, again, it wasn't the the easiest thing. But what happened, especially with Tooth and Nail, and again, some of the earlier Frontline albums like Shout and Bloodgood, stuff started selling so all of a sudden those hesitations to carry those products amazing how those hesitations disappear once um those uh, albums start to, to sell really yeah
1: quickly. yeah so i i probably owe you a, th- a thank you and some gratitude because i remember so my buddy you know introduced me like i said to mxpx the supertones and then I went to the family. I think it was the Family Christian store at that time. I think they later later changed their name to the Family Bookstore, maybe or something. But they took Christian out of the title, I think. But I remember going in there and and like going to that section right and seeing the music. And they used to have the CDs, and you could actually like sample. You could like oh, pop yeah. a CD in and listen. And you know that's where I that's where I ran into Focal Point and Overcome. Oh um, yeah. You know, and that was like that, that were They were heavy. Oh yeah, and that and Those that changed big, my life. Bands. Yeah, and I think unashamed, like, I got there. Like that, that changed my life, and I was like, "What is this?" And of course, both of the all well, overcome and focal point have uh connections with Ryan Clark and Solid State and To the Nail now. But um and Demon Hunter, is lead singer, of Demon Hunter. But uh, yeah, like that stuff changed my life. But it's because of guys like you. It's like I listen to the label podcast. You know, and they always joke about the charts and all that stuff. But like, it's because of that that you know I got into this music scene, and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things and, and really changed my life in some really awesome ways. Um, so it's well,
3: a- the, real quick though. One of the funny things about those charts, yeah, is that when we when we did them for like tooth and nail oriented bands, it was really hard to find secular or mainstream bands. Yes, that to, to, to do the comparison. So everything was rage against the machine. Mm.
1: Like literally
3: everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just one of those things that, you know, there just wasn't a lot of comparisons yeah. because what tooth and nail was doing was really original.
1: Yes. You're right. You're right. I mean, a lot of those bands that came up early on, uh, you know, I, in many ways I think have, have led the way in the music industry, especially into like the metal and the hardcore scenes. And you're right. There wasn't even, they were coming up the same time as the secular, all the underground secular bands, you know, so they, you're right. There wasn't anybody to compare them to, you know, if you like corn, like that was probably yeah, what, so, it, you know.
3: So when a band for a tooth and nail band goes out and sells like 30 or 50,000 people, yeah. go, oh, that's not that many records. But in that genre of style in mainstream, they're not selling a whole lot more than 50 or 60,000 right. of those albums. Some of those ones that are comparable to focused um, or, or to the blamed, or some of the other ones that you mentioned. Yeah. It's not a large popular style of music. So the, the metal we didn't, we couldn't keep up with some of the grindcore death metal. Sure. We weren't selling, you know, no one's selling Metallica numbers. But for the underground, really darker style of music, yeah. They actually, they were pretty competitive in terms of what everybody else was selling.
1: Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, and so I, if you, again, if you missed the, the first episode we did, um, one of the things that's been so cool to me in this whole, process of exploring this whole story really is just how so we had darren on and you know ultimately he came to christ because of brandon ebel and then immediately got discipled by david bonson so he immediately was a theonomist post mill um (laughs) he reformed all immediately um and um and he probably was getting he probably was getting discipled about well a little bit after you maybe david but uh so that was one end and we just talked about how you know his what he does with the camera has really influenced us. And then I shared the story of how ultimately I became presuppositional because of Matt morginski from the supertones, um, directly taught that to me. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's just cool to see all this is come together. And then, um, so that's kind of what's spurned this conversation. Um, so, So yeah, David, you can honestly,
3: so you can just kind of say that your musical tree goes back to Brandon Ebel, but your theological tree goes back to David Bonson. Absolutely. uh, In terms of those influences, and yet they don't meet if Frontline doesn't fold. Right. And Diamante comes out of the ashes of Frontline, and we start hiring all these phone reps.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's it's totally amazing, and. I actually, without getting us too far off track, I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. Um, I've been thinking a lot this week. I was talking to Jerry um, from, from Cultish, Jeremiah Roberts, this week, and we were talking about the law of God and obviously how that, again, goes right back to, to David and to Gr- and his dad, Greg, and uh, theonomy and all that. And I really haven't been a theonomist that long, like maybe six years. Like, we started Apologia Radio, and I didn't know what theonomy was. And so, as we started apology radio we I really was kind of learning about God's law and all that then um but my point I'm getting at is is it's it's really amazing again, talking about God's sovereignty um I think God was preparing us back then and getting us ready because every like literally every discussion that we have now whether it's with the cults, whether it's with the social justice movement, you name it, every discussion somehow is coming back to the law of God. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, your view on how you, on how you look at God's law. And, and so it's just really, it's, I'm excited just thinking about that, just how God's been preparing us. And like, we have the answers. A lot of people don't have those answers right now because they, they don't have a high view of God's law and, and they're not using that objective standard to answer questions. And um, I feel like we can answer any question because we have that standard.
3: And it's why, you know, without running too much into politics, since it's outside of the the purview of this show, it is why when you watch what's going to happen tonight on whatever station is carrying the debate, there's just going to be no real answers to anything. Yeah. Uh, The answers. And and then the next day, whatever they said tonight, tomorrow they're going to backtrack and reverse on it. Right. And you don't have a standard. You're going to end up with, what we're currently dealing with
1: right absolutely um well hey so david we're we're gonna go to break in about eight minutes so what's you had like a bunch of stories you listed so give me give me another story you want to share before we go to so break
3: some of these stories i won't say the actual name of the band okay. but um it'll be pretty easy for most people to kind of figure out but i was sitting up um, at a sales conference we were in i think nashville or whatever and there was a band and we were talking about their next album which is actually my favorite album from this particular band and they are saying, oh, yeah, the album's going to be called, and they gave me the name of the album. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's really, for this band, that's kind of really forward in the, you know, being very Christian-sounding, and it was a band that kind of you wouldn't think of necessarily wanting to fit into that niche or whatever. Yeah. And then I looked down, and um, and I saw that they were having some uh, Newcastle Brown Ale, uh-huh. and it was the uh, slogan on the beer bottle, <laughs> and uh, which later ends up... Um, being being the name of the album so it's just you know and i don't know if they if they were inspired by it or if it was just one of those things that it just happened to be a coincidence but i i laugh every single time i i I see that in a in a store um that's funny uh, yeah just you know and it's just and it's just kind of the stuff that only tooth and nail would do that yeah um right the band 90 pound wuss yeah this is my one great and i've actually gone back and repented of this um (laughs) But this this actually happened, walked into a Christian bookstore, and they said, there's no way in the world I'm carrying a band called 90 Pound Wuss in my store. And I said, well you gotta understand, you see, someone yelled out from the crowd one day at a show that Jesus was nothing but a 90 pound wuss. Mm. So they were inspired, it was just the seat of my pants, I had to make something up to get the album (laughs) into the store. Um, Later went back to the store and apologized, but the funny thing was, is at the next sales conference, people came up and said, Hey, did you ever hear? So I guess it spread.
1: Oh my goodness. Because
3: other sales reps all around the country heard that exact same story.
1: That's hilarious. Um,
3: and I, I felt super bad, but it was like, man, I was just desperate to get that thing, uh, that thing in. Uh, but my favorite story, actually one of the neatest thing that happened is I was at, there was a thing called Tomfest. Um, yeah. great. By the way, there was a great band called sometime Sunday that put out a couple albums on tooth and nail mm. and lead singer. Sometimes Sunday put on this festival here in the Pacific oh. Northwest. Um, called uh tom and i think it went for like 11 13 years or yeah. whatever and the first year was in stevenson county fairgrounds right in the, a lake and and it was like every tooth and nail band every five minute walk band it was just this killer lineup of people and uh MXPX was there and they had just kind of started uh, maybe the second album teenage politics was about to come out and i think the mom of one of the guys i don't know if it's mike's mom or whatever was kind of road managing or managing them and uh bunch of kids came up and they were complaining that mxpx wasn't christian enough Mm -hmm. for them uh a bunch of audio adrenaline youth group kids coming up complaining about it and um she's all like well you know what they're 14 15 years old they're kind of just writing about things that they're into and some some youth pastor says something like well they're obviously not into the bible Mm. um and that that set off the both the salesperson and the apologist in me yeah. Um. And uh, started a very lengthy conversation, which at the very end, actually, almost all of those kids were like, oh, OK, I get it. I understand what they're doing now. We looked at Scripture. We, we looked at the Psalms. We looked at a whole bunch of different areas about how how Scripture writes about everything. Yeah. Um, scripture is not relegated to a particular subject. Um, the Psalms and the Proverbs and Song of Psalms, they they write about a diversity of, of subject matter. And Charlie Peacock, a, a great Christian artists has, yeah. has written on that subject as well. And um, so it became a real uh, big positive. And, and, and I, whoever's mom it was in advance, like, oh, my gosh, thank you. That was great. I'm still going to steal a bunch of this stuff. <laughs> but it became a, a passion to defend not just the music and the style and the look. and the. I mean, I dealt with that enough in the 80s when I had, you know, Striper show up at my Christian bookstore that I was the manager of. Uh, you know, the, the, the four girls with the earrings. Um <laughs> I dealt with that apologetic enough that that sort of stuff was easy. But, but their content of Striper was always like super Jesusy and easy. Yeah. yeah. You know what we call the J quotient, which is Jesus per note. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) And that's actually something we talked about. That's
1: hilarious.
3: Mine was the content. How do we, how do we have an apology in a sense for the content of diversity of thought within the, the music that was coming out on tooth and nail?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because I know I listening to the label. Even Brandon talks about how, like, he didn't start tooth and nail for it to be a Christian label, and he had bands on there at least with, with at least with members that weren't Christians, you know. And I remember, <laughs> and this gets into a whole other discussion that we probably won't have time for today. But I can remember like. Cause coming up as like a tooth and nail kid, just like, if there wasn't, I was one of those kids that was like, you know, if they weren't talking about Jesus every show, I was mad at them. You know what I mean? And, and uh, it's like, but I had no idea really what was going on. Um, you know, and I can remember even like seeing bands that have like, they were drinking beer and I was like, what is their problem? You know, (laughs) like this was before I was reformed. Uh, so, uh, you know, but just, yeah, I was like one of those, one of those youth group kids that loved the music, but was super judgy of, of the, of the bands themselves and how they acted. Yeah, and, tr- and
3: trust me, I got to know quite a few of them. You didn't want them to talk about Jesus on the stage. <laughs> them. Um, do, do we have like one minute to share yes, a story? go for it. Okay. This is one of my favorite stories and it's actually a little bit before this. And this has a conversation that's uh, the Christian artist, Steve camp had with Carmen. Okay. Um, and Carmen actually covered so- several of Carmen's biggest uh, hits were actually Steve Camp songs really like uh, you cover me. It's, a, it's actually a beautiful song. I, it's a great song, and that's actually a Steve Camp song that Carmen covered. And uh, Carmen said, "You know," to to Steve one day, "because you know, if you would just stop it with all this theology, you would sell a whole lot more records." And 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 Steve Camp's response was like, "I'm glad you stopped it with theology," um, because <laughs> Carmen is was at that time very word of faith. And yeah, just yeah. horrific theology yeah. within his, his worldview. And so Steve Gamp's retort was like perfectly spot on. And getting back to the tooth and nail, there were just some people you, you're probably better off hmm. if they didn't speak from the stage. Cause yeah. You wouldn't know, because a lot of them were just immature. Not that they didn't oh, sure. love Jesus, but man, they just weren't there. It's like, hey, I got saved six weeks ago, started a Christian band. Yeah. Sort of thing. You know, those people, I don't necessarily need them talking to my youth group right. about the gospel.
1: Well, plus you think about, you know, you see a lot of bands now that maybe have been around for a while, and then you see them, you know, renouncing Christ. And I think of, yeah. you know, Aaron Gillespie and Spencer from Under Oath, which <laughs> destroyed my heart when I heard that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I've,
3: well, Der- I mean, Derek Webb is, I think, one of the biggest Oh, yeah. Ones oh, yeah. The mainstream CCS. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and so, like, but you think about it, really, this, this, uh, thing that's plaguing our church and our culture is with teens you know they grow up thinking they're christian and then they graduate high school and real life hits them or they go to college and all of a sudden they're not christians anymore and you know there's a lot of reasons we can get into at a different time as to why i think that is but that 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 affected a lot of these bands too you get these bands that grow up in the youth group and they're like yeah we love jesus and you know and then they start to go on the road and they start hanging out with other people. And then they're like, yeah, I don't really care about Jesus anymore. And, um, and I, someone
3: gives them a book by Rod Bell or McLaren <laughs> or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And
3: that's actually what happens to, to a lot of them. And I think well, a fun story that you'll appreciate with something maybe after the break, take a little while, is um, Greg Bonson's impact on some of these bands.
1: Oh, I, I'd love to hear that for sure. Um, okay, so with that, we'll go ahead and go to break right now then. And then uh, it's about four minutes. We come back. Then we'll uh, we'll have you pick up on that story. So thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll see you at the other side of the break. All right. Welcome back to Apology Radio. It feels good to play some some music punk beats on here, on here. yeah I'm little... brings me back back to the day so um <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm i miss all that
3: atmospheric trance music that normally <laughs> is played
1: you know what i've really been getting into That i'm a, trying not to get us off topic here but i have really like especially when i'm studying i love to listen to like just these instrumental like 80s like dark synth okay uh, yeah. it's so awesome I and mean, it's so great for like studying because it just gets you like in the mood and stuff anyways um <laughs> there's all kinds of it on youtube so we're back david um you were going to talk talk to us tell us about how um david bonson ultimately his dad greg then influenced a lot of these bands directly
3: yeah and, and not just tooth and nail bands but obviously i think when, when david um after david left and he was working with tooth and nail he he left when when brandon left and and he started his own office to manage. I think he was managing Plank Eye, Supertones, maybe Staves Acre, a handful of other bands, maybe Focused. He was taking care of like, their T-shirts, getting them gigs, all that sort of stuff, yeah. and he was managing them. And I went to visit him um, at his office. We were just kind of hanging out, and I, I kept noticing. like He kept looking up at the TV. And so I turned around, and he was watching. And I don't know if it was CNBC or whatever at the time. It was one of those things where they have a little ticker across the bottom mm-hmm. for the uh, stock market stuff and I thought nothing of it till like 20 years later, when you find out that he's one of the most <laughs> sought after and respected stock right. and uh, financial advisors in the country. Right. Um, and so it was a, a love that was starting then, but he was obviously influencing the bands that he was working directly with playing mm-hmm. guy, Havel, you know, and, and know was influenced as well. Uh, but Plank guy, Supertones, obviously Supertones. I mean, they have some, just some presuppositional oh, songs. Yeah. So there's, Tons of songs that are yeah. – I think there's one that mentions Schaefer, Sproul, and Bonson by name.
1: Yeah, yep, Yeah. Uh,
3: Grounded uh, from Chase the Sun album. Yep. Uh, great album, great – that, that whole album is nothing but a pre-sub right. album. Yep. But the one and only album by uh, Plank Eye, which is my favorite album of theirs, um, is really a post-millennial album. What? The album is all super post-millennial. There's this great song on there called Playground. In the chorus, it says some things are the way they're meant to be in response to people just thinking that the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Sure. This isn't the way that God wanted it. And the response from them is, oh, no, some hey, things are the way they're supposed to be. And he says there's a line in that song about how you think you're leaving. And the the chorus in the back or the guys in the back scream, no, five hundred thousand. What? Um, which I got to go listen ode, to that now. Which is kind of an ode to saying that in a hundred thousand years, who knows? They might look back and call us the early church. Yeah. I think it was like a David Chilton line.
1: Oh my goodness. Um,
3: but it was about that you don't know. We could be this planet could be around for another five hundred thousand years, and so you need to be planning and living your life and having a legacy, post millennially thinking. Yeah. Are you passing that gospel down? Uh, so that whole record really is filled with. Tons of, of post millennial um, ideas and yeah. anonomic inan- ideas, so uh, that that's that some of that influence. But after after Greg's passing, um, David was going through um, a bunch of his dad's stuff and mm. um, some stuff he gave to me, which there's some treasures that I have. Like I have a first edition uh, hardback of Lorraine Bettner's Reformed Doctrine oh my and Destination oh, book.
1: goodness gracious! With, uh,
3: with Greg's one. notes Whoa. in the margin. <laughs> Dude, that's like that's um, have, that's one of my Chilton.
1: favorite books. Period. Not just Reformed, <laughs> it's, it's but incredible. period. Yeah.
3: Um, I have Chilton's book, his commentary on Revelation, and where and, and with Bonson's notes where he's agreeing or disagreeing in certain oh, areas. Um, so I have several of, of Greg's books that that David gave me. But the other thing he gave me was just stacks and stacks of the uh, gateway drug to Bonson, which is the Gordon Stein Greg yep. Bonson debate. Yep. Um, that's where you start, everyone. Mm -hmm. And he just gave me a bunch of those. And so every time I would go and hang out with a band, I would just slip them, hey, you should hear this debate. It's great. Um, One of those groups was Cademan's Call, Hmm. Uh, which later when you listen to the album 40 Acres, it's just one of the most presuppositional and um, Calvinistic albums. You're
1: right. I didn't even, oh, man, I didn't know that that (laughs) was the influence on that. That's incredible.
3: Yeah. um, The very first time we had a sales conference with Five Minute Walk, I gave them a co- I gave uh, Reese Roper yeah. from uh, um, Five Iron Frenzy a copy of that. Um, so I would just, Man. you know, I, I treated it like a track to guys yeah. that I kind of dig their music. Wanted them to be introduced to Reform Theology. I would just give them Bonson tapes that David had, had passed along. Man.
1: That's incredible. Um,
3: so there's a bunch of bands out there that have been influenced and influencing others that really don't – maybe not even know that a lot of their stuff goes back to, to Greg Bonson.
1: Yeah. Man, that's so amazing. I before, before we switch topics here for a minute, I just – there's been a lot of – I've heard this several times recently. I, I've i heard it from Darren the most, I think. Um, and I think we, the last show, I think maybe even Jerry said it, but, like, it's, it's – I feel like – we're, we're like the the punk rock when it comes to like theology right now. Like yes. I've been hearing that a lot, and it's like man, it makes sense because we're like not afraid to get our hands dirty. We're like you know like the grungy like let's just let's just work hard we're and, in the middle of things all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So it's just cool like just to think again about God's sovereignty and how a lot of these bands are in have influenced um, guys like myself and uh, like Apologia Studios without us even realizing it. You know, and uh, so that's exciting. But
3: yeah, and you you know, there's a kid out there yeah. that was that owned Chase the Sun because he's a SuperTones fan and wondered, yeah. who in the world is this Shogun Bonson? Right. Yeah. And googled and found out and got into. Bon- I guarantee that that's there's a ton of stories behind that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Again, it's one of those things that probably, you know, this side of heaven. <laughs> this side of eternity we'll, we'll never know. But one day, you know, it'll be like, Oh, and here's your legacy. in from just this album, you know? Um, so, um, I wanted to stay in the same overall topic, but kind of switch here a little bit. And so we were talking, um, there was a, I think it was two or three episodes ago, the label podcast did. And again, if you haven't seen that, if you're into the underground music scene, you got to go check out this podcast. It's incredible um but uh they did one with with KJ52 and so that's I was talking to Dusty this week which is why one of the reasons I wanted, wanted to make sure he was on and he's like oh yeah I know KJ52 and so there was the story is with Tooth and Nail they actually started um uh some the, well they, I think David you correct me if I'm wrong but I believe they started with Uprock and yeah. then and then they had KJ52 and they ended up starting BEC which is like their CCM contemporary christian music label and and like he he was on there and i think supertones went to bec too as well yeah a lot
3: of the bands that were were um more commercially successful yeah were kind of funneled over there and a lot of that had to do with they, that brandon that that diamante had a distribution deal with tooth and nail okay uh, so, but brandon wanted to take a lot of his potentially bigger bands to um another company to emi and so he put them on BEC. So Plank guy moved over, Supertones moved over, uh, Jeremy Camp released mm-hmm. the first album immediately, okay. and then immediately got moved over to BEC. And so that's kind of the larger distribution company ended up with the best-selling of uh, a gotcha. the Tooth and Nail Band. Gotcha. So
1: so Dusty was you were, uh, you were in the hip hop music industry, if you will, before coming to Christ. And so I just want to hear how all this kind of ties in with you personally w- with your involvement in the music industry and again with God's sovereignty and all that. So,
2: yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was getting sober. That's first I got, I was getting sober in Las Vegas and I was at my desk and I, you know, I've been involved in secular hip hop for a while. And then someone came to my desk one day and knew that, uh, you know, I was trying to get my life together and, and yeah. uh, going to church and stuff. And he came down and he set a CD on, um, on my desk and it was uh Lecrae church clothes okay. album and you know I I'd always just listened to like the worst of the worst hip-hop leading yeah. up to that point but um you know tying in you know look Le- I was kind of introduced to Lecrae's music and then the truth and uh KJ5 is, is his stuff is um is stuff that I'm not a big fan of KJ but you know I enjoy I en- enjoy his backstory, and he's really fun. I've met him mm. a few times and done events with him. Right he's a fun guy, but, you know, tying into the story what you guys were talking about earlier of, about how you don't want some of those artists yeah. <laughs> talking about theology yeah. with their audience, how that's better, you know, that that's still the argument today in, like, Christian hip-hop transferred over. It's like, well, if you're not saying Jesus over and over again, you can't technically be labeled as a Christian mm-hmm. artist, and that's created this thing where Christian artists, and we talked about people saying, I don't, I don't believe, or yeah. going apostate, is they sometimes blame it on the fans, because they're like, well, they're calling out every single thing that I do in my life, and saying that I'm not Christian yeah. enough, and it ends up pushing them yep. away. That's what know. happened
1: with Under Oath. Yep. Yeah. They, yeah. exactly what they said, yeah.
2: Yep. So it's it's just, uh, it's interesting to see how that argument... Continues to go on and continues to, you know, make artists um, want to not even be involved in yeah. the Chris, having the Christian label. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jay,
1: Jay Gibbons, I'm thinking of hip hop. You know, Jay. Yeah. We've talked about this. That was something that crushed me too because I love Jay's music and he was on Humble Beast and, you know, was about two, was a year and a half ago, maybe. Or so? Yeah. He announced that he was no longer a Christian and that he was homosexual and that he was. You know have a meth addiction i believe right And yeah. and now he has aids right yeah it's yeah. just it's I crazy don't,
2: i don't know though i i don't think he would say that he's not a christian anymore oh okay right? but um but that's you know another yeah. conversation that's another
1: conversation right but then on the flip side we talked about in the break written like you got someone like chance the rapper who you know is who is super mainstream and you know if if he wouldn't said i love jesus you wouldn't have any idea that he loves christ right you know but then right. and then he comes on says oh yeah i love christ and he, he talks about how he's i believe he says he's a christian right and yeah but then you know his he lyrics and he hears some of the stuff he says and it's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa time out like, yeah what's going on here
2: and you know I've, I've heard the the conversation about it with artists they say they you know talk about chance just being someone who talks about his life at that moment and i know there's a lot of bands that are like that as well where they just they talk about their life and what's going on at that moment at one time there was a lot of drug stuff going on for chance and then there was a transitional period and now you know he's it, it's getting softer and it seems to be getting softer and softer but you know that is the question is like do you want some of these guys really being the ones who like raise up a generation yeah. of younger christians and talking about their right. theology or you right
1: know? right absolutely so, David, you were saying um, you were saying you you had an early on Christian hip hop.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, label we were, or group. We were one of the first labels. This is back in the Frontline days, and we had PID, which was Preachers in Disguise, and they were kind of a, a old school '80s rap. But in terms of the first true legitimate gangsta style rap, <laughs> West Coast rap, was a group called the Gospel Gangsters. Yes, I know. that. And uh, that first album is still one of the truly great Christian rap albums, truly great rap albums. It's a brilliant, I think there's like 17 songs. The thing goes on for like 84 minutes. It's, just, it's really a long album. Wow. And we were just happy that that thing came out in this, the era of CDs. Um, uh, it, and, but it was incredible. But uh, imagine walking into a Christian bookstore in that era, and that time, and say, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a few N-words on this album. Uh... Yeah. Um, so I mean it was it was legit it was heavy but um, if, if, if if you know if, if you know anything about that album it's worth owning it's worth tracking down it's still a great album I
2: have to go check it out too I want to know is... what that sales pitch was like <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah. especially I know so, what those so, guys was... look like too so
3: here's the thing this is one of our little little uh, unknown stories of back in the frontline days we sold a compilation in of different rap artists that had P.I.D. and uh, D-Boy, who was actually murdered. Oh, wow. Um, really great guy, though. His mom was Rosie from The Cross and the Switchblade, like was the real Rosie.
1: Hmm. Um, Interesting.
3: From the story of The Cross and the, uh, the very popular movie and book. Um, D-Boy was, was murdered after his second album. Um but we had a ton of different rap artists. We were going well into that. We were working with a guy named Tim Miner who worked with a bunch of, of artists. And so we were gonna put out this compilation. Well, this group, the Gospel Gangsters, had the best song on the compilation and kept sending in songs. So um, <laughs> we just released it as a, uh, we pretty much just took the compilation away and released it as a Gospel Gangsters first album. Mm. Um, and literally had zero returns on it. Nobody complained because that thing was selling before it ever was released. Wow. Everyone knew about that band, um, and and they were legit. There are three of the four guys served sort of time. I mean, it was not an imitation, fake, um, rap album. It was yeah, uh, truly legitimate, and
2: yeah, it's a, and it really out.
3: it's a great album.
2: And those guys, they did like a a tour I think last year. They had really uh, in Vegas. My buddy who has a venue out there said that he had the gospel gangsters come through and there yeah still i don't know how long ago that was but that's awesome still rapping
1: that's so awesome
3: yeah. very cool stuff
2: i
1: i it's i it's funny now i think a lot of um talking about just bands and groups like with solid theology i think christian hip-hop is really leading the way you know um you got like humble beasts you got lamp mode uh, cross movement. A lot of these groups are are straight reformed and like have incredible, you know, the lyrical theology they talk about. Like it's amazing. And, and it's a lot of stuff is just really worshipful. Um, and, uh, you know, you got Dusty, which by the way, how can people find your music before I forget?
2: Uh, you can go to dustymarshall.com or you can go to I4C Shop. That's I, the number 4C Shop.com, and you can get my album all my music and merch yeah. and stuff
1: there yeah and dusty's just falls right in that category we got our, our boy ivy connerly which who should also be yeah. at oh yeah at ReformCon. um and uh yeah i mean it's just it's awesome and encouraging to see that so speaking of that then to flip it back into like the all like the metal and punk and and underground scene like that david who what bands um if you if you want to because you've you shared this with me a little bit what bands do you know of today that are they're really strong you, know, uh, it's kind of interesting
3: you, you bring it up. I find that the lyrically the, the two best styles are really, really hard, like metal, thrash metal or hardcore and hip hop yeah. seem to have like the best lyrical content. Like I've never found like the punk rock bands generally to have like great lyrical content. Supertones were a ska band, so they kind of stand out. Plank Eye was more of an indie band. And so they but, you know, a lot of just the straight melodic pop punk. Yeah, uh, usually were just kind of fun oriented yeah. songs, mm-hmm. you know, Capital Lights and some of these other bands. Um, but like, but even early on bands like tourniquet, which is probably one of the best intricate speed metal bands Mm. always had phenomenal, uh, content, uh, wolves at the gate. Yeah. Um, that's about as reformed as you can find. Um, uh, I, I think that within that genre of super heavy music, um, I think demon hunter stuff is lyrically really cool, Mm. really well done. And here's a fun one for you, and I don't know how many people have, uh, even know about this, but it's been, I think, two or three albums now. But um, And I think he's probably a little more in the charismatic line of stuff, and it, it definitely seems to be dispensational. But um, Blackie Lawless from, uh, from Wasp, the big 80s band, uh-huh. uh, became a Christian. Okay. And he's pretty legitimate, super solid. He wouldn't put an album out for years because he wanted to study and, uh, their last album was called Galgotha and it's a brilliant song, huh. brilliant song. The video is amazing as well, but it is staggering. It come from the point of view of, of being that third person on the crosses, yeah. uh, looking at Christ saying, you know, why not me sort of, and you know, why the, why the other thief on the cross, Right on. um, very powerful. Um, to the point where he's so open about his Christianity, there was a shooting, I think it was like in Switzerland or in Sweden several years ago, and he someone mentioned it to him while on stage. He stopped the entire show, um, and in the midst of an obviously WASP crowd, mm. he made everybody pray with him for those what? Uh, mm. who were impacted. That's amazing. Literally right in the middle of the song.
1: That's so awesome.
3: He just stopped it. And that last album, Gop, is worth tracking down. But it is weird. I think within the within those two genres, the really heavy music and the hip hop music, you find some of the best content. Yeah. Uh, Shylin, obviously, that's a,
0: a yeah. no-brainer yes. when it
3: comes to lyrical content. Uh, but I just just in general, I think what is coming out from from even just Tooth and Nail, Solid State seems to have kind of taken over for Tooth and Nail. Yeah. Uh, most of the releases releases kind of fall under there. Right. Um, but I get. I get really positive. Um, I think Thousand Foot Crutch is another one of those bands that mm. writes great songs mm-hmm. lyrically. So uh, Mike Mann um, and the Branches is kind of a band worth looking into Okay, uh, if you're not familiar with them. Uh, anyway, Mike Mann's in the Branches, great stuff. Obviously, I mentioned Demon Hunter. Uh, so I think there's a bunch out there that are 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 consistently making theologically really strong music. One band, you brought up before, August Burns Red.
1: Yeah, that's my band.
3: I think that's one of those bands that they write great music. Yeah, they do. And great lyrics. I mean, that stuff is pretty, pretty heady most of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just saw them in July. Their ten-year consolation. Actually, when I did this show, this last show, uh, the first Tooth and Nail show, I was a day after I had seen them. Their ten-year uh, constellations tour. Uh, it was it was incredible. The, the best light show by far I've ever seen at a metal show. Oh,
3: let, um, let me Sorry, let me bring up one more band yeah. worth checking out. It's not tooth and nail. There's a group um, called the, um, the Autumn the autumn Film. It's hmm. a little indie band, female lead vocalist. Great. But they also have a side project called Page CXVI. Yes. And yes. it is those modern reworking of hymns yeah. that uh-huh. are staggeringly good.
1: Yes. Uh, One of my uh, good friends here at, at Apology, one of our deacons, Gabe Johnson. Here you go, Gabe. Just a shout out. He loves them. It's like his favorite band. Um. Yeah. No. Right on, man. I'm actually going. <laughs> this might. This might th- make some people mad. I'm, I'm planning on going to see Azalea Dying here in November, which I'm very excited for. Uh, talk about a talk about a band that's been up up and down. You know, are you Christian or are you not Christian? What's going on with you and uh jail time and all the rest? But I'm excited to see them, and I'm excited they're producing some some music again that they've reconciled. So, um, Dusty, what? Christian artists have influenced you and your style and your music?
2: The rep is a big uh, influence. He's actually originally from Phoenix. He lives in Vegas now. But uh, just his transparency and his music, like I, you know, coming from a background in addiction and and stuff like that, just uh, in my music, I really like to put out a lot of, you know, very transparent uh, talk talk on a lot of deep topics and he was someone when I first started listening to uh, to hip hop. I was I was like, man, you know, or Christian hip hop. He was one of those guys where I was like, man, this guy shies away from nothing. Like yeah. he's talking about like just really dark uh, things that go on, whether you're you're Christian or not, and he's not afraid to tackle it from a Christian yeah. perspective. He's not just putting out music that's yeah. feel good. Yeah, you know. So he he was a big one, and I. Actually, when I lived out in Vegas, we got to hang out some. And...
1: Right on, man. That's yeah. awesome. Sorry, I, D- David just still texted me he said he's got to go. So Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, brother, thanks so much for being on, man. This, is, this has been awesome. It's a blessing, and I hope to be able to do more on this conversation with you in the future. I'd love it. All right, brother, thanks so much. All right, talk to you guys soon. All right, later. Sorry, you can continue. I didn't want to cut you off.
2: Yeah, no, just uh, listening to his music, you know, um, lot he's he's very lyrical and I came up in an underground scene you know of hip-hop and um, I was always I've always been into dark music whether it's Christian or not when I say dark I mean you know talking about things that people probably wouldn't talk about normally in normal conversations yeah and you know talk like like for instance what we talk about with abortion and the album that I put out talking about an area of abortion you know or porn addiction or just all the things that uh you know seem taboo somewhat in society he was talking about it from a christian perspective yeah. so i really respected that
1: right on I, I think we talked about that the last show you were on just i that's one thing I love about the guys like you and Ivy and just some just some of these and even like seven you know and yeah. hot we didn't talk about hog mom but like they talk about raw Yes and and real like hog mom is the real deal. Like, and, um, you know, I, I love, I love that about, I think it's hip hop more than, than we're talking about metal and stuff, but just the rawness of, of music and, you know, what you've gone through and and how it all points to Christ again, just talking about God's sovereignty. like, you know, here, here's there's three of us and we all have completely different stories, but how God orchestrates everything and all, at some point ties in together somehow, you know, and it's, it's just amazing to, I love just hearing stories like this, how, how just how it all points back to God and his sovereignty. So,
2: yeah. and, And I think that comes back to, to also being like a genuinely talented artist. Like we talked about being genuinely who Christ has made you to be, but being able to express that in music and make it good music where like right. like you talk about the supertones and how they're reformed and right. post mill and being able to express that but make the music really interesting and like a lot of people yeah. can rally around it yeah there's like an art form in that too right because you can be really genuine but make music that people are just kind of like okay that's yeah. cool but right. if you can make it very relatable and and catchy but have that same deep message in it well then that's a real genuine yeah. art, right there no
1: you you nailed it i think this one we talk about a lot is just making art and then and specifically we're talking about music here to the glory of god right and yes. so i don't want to harp on this but you know a, a lot of the issues we have with like mainstream christian media is that there's good there might be there might be good theology and might have good lyrics but the music's terrible right and and so you're right like like i'm thinking that you mentioned like the supertone someone who had an incredible theology and at the time i didn't even realize when i was listening to him i didn't even realize how solid the theology was but the music was awesome you know and and so these are this is what we're talking about how we should be modeling um really our creator and that work he created all things good right and so we should have that same mindset where not only is there is there going to be good lyrics, but the music itself is awesome and it's good and it glorifies God, and it's not terrible because I would say terrible music does not glorify God right? because you're not doing the best that you can do.
2: Right, yeah, you can do it two ways. You can make terrible music that maybe sound theology, and that's still... Yeah, questionable. But, but, but then at the same time is you can make really great Sounding music, but the topics and and the context could just be exactly horrific. And then it's still bad.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right on, man. Well, I think we're about done here. So I uh uh thank you, Dusty, for being on today. I'm glad you got to pop in here and thanks. Thanks Um yeah, absolutely. So again, as a reminder, sign up for ReformCon as reformcon.org. Hope to see you here in October. Um as always, I I say this sincerely, I don't want to sound like I'm being a dead horse with this but we legitimately appreciate all of our all access all access subscribers you literally make all of this happen the lights the power <laughs> the gospel's free but electricity is not and so we thank you and if you ha- are not on our all access you can subscribe to there you can go to apologiestudios.com and sign up it's 995 a month i believe um so please please join with us partner with us in what we're doing and also go to endabortionnow.com check that out. Um we got exciting stuff again with babies are murder here too coming out and a lot of exciting stuff going on right now with with EAN. So as always uh we're thankful again to everyone um for checking this out and I don't think we'll have a show next week because we will be all out of town. Um but in 2 weeks I know we should. So I'm just going to end with this if you don't mind.
0: Do it via abortion. Ah. Well, thank the you. abortion industry. One of the organizations, Planned Parenthood. This is, by the way, Dusty's new track, "American
1: Holocaust." In our country. Check it out on YouTube. There's
0: about 3,000 children who died. I forgot there's this long intro from Jeff, so <laughs> <single day laughs> we're just gonna in our we're just gonna talk over <laughs> we're
1: just for just gonna listen to it for the a United minute States. here.
0: <laughs> and they're killed through abortion. There's a number of different ways that you can take the life of your child in our country through abortion. You can kill your child via pill. They have medical means of abortion through a pill that you take into your body and it ultimately kills your child through uh, a medication. There's also means of abortion that are most common in terms of the surgical abortion where the doctor goes into the woman and essentially pulls the little boy or little girl apart limb from limb. So sharp instruments and tools are forced into the woman to tear the child into pieces, literally into pieces. There's blood on our
2: hands, on our hands, on our hands. They're murdered on our watch, in our city, in our land. At the point of conception, DNA is in their strands. But we kill them anyway, trade our children for our plans. It's sad to see these dads who refuse to be a man. We'll kill the wrong son, what was done to son a man. I'm mad at the womb, but I'm feeling like a hypocrite. In my past, I was militant. Apart from God, I'd kill my kid. We're living in his wrath. a righteous God. Rightly judging us, suppressed and rejected in the self-inflicted genocide. I search inside the scriptures for the answers to the reason why. The wickedness within our heart, the root of where the sin lies. Die to self, lose your life.